You're listening to Education Experts with EDX Education. Education is evolving. Join Heather Welch from EDX Education chatting with teachers, psychologists, parents, authors, creatives and other talented experts to keep up with the trends and what's happening from around the globe. This podcast series from EDX Education discusses home learning, school readiness, being creatives, changing in education, discussing what's next, hands-on learning, or as we like to say, learning through play. Welcome everyone, I'm Heather Welch from EDX Education, and today we'll be in conversation with Liz Ariens-Troy, founder of Coraline and Us, which is about their story with Coraline, their daughter diagnosed with Down syndrome at birth. Today, we're going to chat with Caroline about the awareness, what is play for Caroline, raise awareness, support for caregivers, and create an understanding of the values. Welcome, Liz. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me. Can I ask you, Liz, to introduce yourself and tell the audience a little bit about why you founded Caroline and Us? Yes, sure. So my name is Liz, and I've got a five-year-old daughter called Caroline. And we live in Devon. We moved here last year and I've got a husband, Kevin, and we run a shop here in Devon um, called Coraline Skincare. Uh, Kevin founded the business based on Coraline because she had sensitive skin. So he makes handmade organic skincare. So, so that's our life here in Devon. And then as to why I founded Coraline and us, as you said, um, Coraline was diagnosed at birth when she was born in 2017 she was actually born yesterday five years ago oh so congratulations <laughs> thank you thank you yeah it's lovely big age five and uh yeah so after she was born we learned that she had down syndrome and also two holes in the heart so she was going to require open heart surgery um actually 50 percent of children with down syndrome have a heart condition so they knew to check for that but for me that was an almighty shock because I didn't know anything about Down syndrome and I wasn't expecting that news. So there were a lot of tears for me. Um, Kevin was brilliant and, and he just rang rang everybody and said, we've got the news that Coraline probably has Down syndrome because it takes a few days to actually get confirmation after a blood test. Um, and he just said to friends and family, I just want to hear congratulations. So I think it was probably even just on day two, I've always loved writing and I've always wanted to write, but I didn't quite know what to write about. And I just found myself beginning to write in a hospital. And I went back, I kind of began post saying, this is me and Kevin's story. Um, This is how it's felt when she was born. So I I shared what we were learning because I thought we were going to learn so much with her after I'd begun to absorb the news for friends and family. So I just began popping these posts up and then I got so many replies from people and they kept saying to me, write more widely, share this publicly. And that was really scary for me to do because I'm an introvert and to actually (laughs) think people I didn't know would read it, would read it. But I did. And then I think the blog morphed from, you know, sharing what we were learning to writing what I wanted to read when Coraline was first born and evidence of a happy family. And it's become about the life lessons we've learned through Coraline about living life fully and about being yourself. 
at first did you start writing to order I suppose understand the situation you're going through is putting it on paper was a way that you could think about where to go next was that one of the reasons you could you know I suppose yeah put it into perspective this is what's happening and this is how I need to deal with it yeah completely because that's the way I order my thoughts is through writing on paper or the way that I can process things so definitely and I think it was just an instinct it was kind of beyond me yeah it's something it's the unknown I mean having a child is unknown and then having Mm. needs at the start and even to know that they're having surgery that tiny little body's going to have surgery a few months Mm. later so did she, she's had the surgery and is the heart, is it in 100% working capacity? Can she, Will she ever have to have another one? How does it work now? Uh, yes, so she did have the surgery. So they kept an eye for the exact right time to do it because I think the bigger the heart, the better. So it was actually when she was 15 months old. Okay. So until she was 15 months old, we had to keep her well. It's a bit like COVID times, really, because oh, they said, yeah, yeah. If she got ill, her body might not have been able to handle it. So we were very careful with her until she was 15 months old. Then she had uh, the the operation at the Evelina London Children's Hospital, who were absolutely amazing because we used to live in Surrey. And then you go back for checkups and they become more spaced out. So we now go every year and then that will become every two years, five years. And we had the last checkup couple of months it looks great and they can never predict so it could be that she'll never have to have surgery again or it could be that as she grows they might need to to do something but right now all good and yeah they did a brilliant (laughs) job and she was actually out of hospital after open heart surgery in a week which that that amazes me that Mm. really amazes me I suppose children they do actually recover quite quickly I love on your blog how you said at the start of it says why am I writing this blog and you just have like these six points and they're really they're really direct so it's to create understanding to raise awareness to change perspective Mm. learn from each other to share love for Caroline I just think it's such a nice way to put it because it is a really important thing to raise awareness for children but also I, I suppose the question that I have and this is something that I've had with friends that have had children with autism or even complex needs is that really hard to navigate your way through the to get any help to get the the help that you need from the systems that are in place or that they're very you know if they're getting diagnosed quite late to say autism or anything like that is that it's hard to get to find the health practitioners that you need so I was just wondering because yours was from birth, was it all set up and quite, e- not easy, but it was all set up and actually you're able to get the help that you needed through the yes. therapy? Yeah. yeah, I think we were really lucky because we lived in Surrey at the time. So the provision there was brilliant. It was kind of straight away. There were local charities that contacted us, came on home visits. Um, and then within three months she had a speech therapist, a physiotherapist wow. uh, come into the house. And, and that's not the case everywhere. Uh, we were very, very lucky in that respect. But I think the um, the Down syndrome act that's coming in is going to ensure that provision is kind of the same everywhere. Um, so, yes. And I think because she had a specific condition, Down syndrome, so that is... People know that's characterised by a global developmental delay. They know that means that she will have 
uh, that delay in speech and low muscle tones, so hypermobile joints, and that will be a delay in walking. So straight up, they know, okay, so she'll need physiotherapy to help with that or speech therapy to help. And uh, they they say that early intervention is really important. So that's that's why we got it so soon. So yes, and then I think, again, we were lucky because you can look up Down syndrome and obviously every child's completely different, but you can do a lot of research and see the help that that would make a difference and and also these charities start to point you in the right direction they say right you can apply for disability living allowance carers allowance so i think others help you they tell you what what they've learned and that's kind of what i want to do in my blog is share what i've learned and children with additional needs have an education healthcare plan here in the uk and i've written posts about that whole process because i think when you're learning everything new there's just so much to figure out but if you can just try and distill that information that you've taken ages to learn for someone else then that's a great help no that's really true and you do i mean i suppose during during the pandemic and covid time a lot of people with children with additional needs found it quite tough when the schools closed down so was that Mm. did you still have access to care and help when that happened it it did actually all pause and we were members of some excellent groups. There's a group called Small Steps that was near us in Surrey, uh, which was giving children a hand to take their first steps, so a free charity. Aww. And they put all their sessions on Zoom and we were in another group called Digby's specifically for children with Down syndrome. Everything was on Zoom, but Coraline doesn't really respond to Zoom. So in the end, we would get tips from them that we could do with her. And probably like everybody, we started off doing everything fastidiously and then <laughs> crept off, did did some bits, but not as much. And then I think in the end, we just thought, right, what's important just for her to be happy and for us all to, to navigate this time the best way we can. Oh, I think we all sort of play. We all sort of just muddled through in the end. Yes. I, yeah, think, exactly. I tell you one thing I really liked about the whole process is that it actually changed our lifestyle to not be as busy. That was the Massively. one I really loved. And that's, I think I'll always remember, that's how I'll hope to always remember COVID. We just sort of came back as a family and we didn't have clubs, plays, all these just different things. And even it was nice just to wake up a little bit later and have the kids there. I mean, yes, there was lots of frustrating moments too, but hmm. when you're trying to work and one of the children is always, you know, coming in, I had many a times I think they've caught my children in their pajamas running behind me or something in a Zoom call. <laughs> but I remember seeing on, I don't know, all those viral feeds or whatever that there wasn't people doing much worse. So that's okay. I always thought that my children look okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, listen, I know that we talk a lot about therapies for children with additional needs, but do you know, is this do you do play therapy? Is anything that you do with play? Is that an area that Caroline, Caroline and you do? Yes. Yes. So everything is through play. I think because the therapists that I've mentioned say that the only way that they they will be able to kind of help Coraline to develop is when she's motivated and interested. Um, so, for example, the physio, if you if we wanted to encourage muscle memory, so I think for Coraline everything's about repetition, and then her muscles will, will begin to remember. So with a physio it would be using toys but putting them around the room so that she had to practice her crawling to get to them um and with speech therapy it would be using play 
so learning through nursery rhymes or um so everything really but then I think that had a strange effect on me because I lost a sense of play just for play so whenever I was playing with her I would think oh we should be practicing our, our macaton the, the sign <laughs> language or we should be putting things out of it I I lost play for the play sake but I've come back to that I realized and now we we have a mix yeah it's, it's having it's watching the them learn through play but not having it too structured having them to be able to I suppose you know um center their own play as well which is one of the big things for me I don't have to be directing this and thinking what's my learning outcome here for her she's probably learning all the time but for me just to relax and allow her freely to play but I I love that that's your the adults education philosophy learning through play it just happens it does happen like I mean exploring so if they're touching sand and they're Mm. squeezing it like play-doh or any sort of dough it's fine motor skills they're just they're learning they're learning simple science simple maths they might be picking out balls and they might count out five they might do a pattern with the colors they also might put all the colors together and then it makes brown (laughs) we all know how that one made so you know but still they're learning to mix colors there's always a bonus there they might get upset when they don't go back (laughs) (laughs) it is learning in all the different ways it's just you know, the patience do we have for the and if they like the tactile feel or messy play I don't know do you know if they like to have their hands wet some children don't like hands wet they don't like sand mm. it's really love it you know they can sit in there all day I mean on the weekend because it's so warm where we are I remember we put sand, water in the sand pit and my son stripped off naked and sat in it because that was his favorite thing to do that's what he thought he was going to do all day but um, I know that we've discussed before about um, modelling and scaffolding behaviours in play, and that's something that you've actually been focusing on with um, Coraline. Is that what can you tell us more about that? Yes. So, what we've learned about Coraline is that she learns by imitation, by watching others do things, and also by repetition. So, oh. by doing one new thing and focusing on that and repeating that then she will absorb it and just that everything's in her own time as well so I guess my interpretation of modeling and scaffolding is for example what we do with the nursery rhymes with the speech therapist is you'd have an object of reference for a nursery rhyme like a bus for the wheels on the bus and a a farmer for old mcdonald and then we would work with her realizing that each object of reference means each nursery rhyme and then you'd almost build on that to working in choice so once she knows which is which the motivation of singing which she she loves hearing song so you build and build so that she can then make a choice between the songs but we do it all very very slowly and in her therapies say with the physiotherapy we've seen that in a really startling way recently that we asked for their help, her physiotherapist help with her tackling the stairs at home. Cause I think with low muscle tone, Coraline isn't really aware of where her body is in space. Cause she doesn't get that much feedback from her um, limbs. Yeah. Or muscles. So she'd be, if we were trying to go up the stairs, cause she's, she's only just begun walking like 20 steps or so. She began. Oh, wow. that's a yeah. milestone to have though that's a really lovely milestone to, it is you know. oh huge because yeah she's about four and a half <laughs> when, yeah. Yeah. 
So the stairs is a whole other ballpark. They've only just begun walking, but the physio had her at school practicing every day, one step up, down, one step oh. up, down. And the physio would lift her leg to do it and then press down on her leg. So she got the feedback of that step. And oh. then at home, we suddenly noticed this change that she wasn't doing three whole steps, but she'd do one at a time. And oh. Kevin has a quote he loves from Bruce Lee, Fear not the man who's practiced 10,000 kicks once, but the man <laughs> who's practiced one kick 10,000 times. So that's that's how it was, Coraline. We we practice something loads of times and then we build on it. Is she excited for herself when she's able to do it at home? Does she realise that, say, for example, all this that's happening at school and then she comes home or does she She probably gets the feedback from you, from both of you being excited that she can do it? She does, yeah. yeah. And I think this renewed, well, not renewed, new sense of freedom is huge for her. And and I see her in her own time building on it. We went to say somewhere this weekend and there were three small steps and she bounced down them on her own. Wow. She sits on us to go downstairs. She's realising all the time what she can do. She's going further and further, further mm. and further. <laughs> yeah. You'll turn around one day and you'll be like, oh, my gosh, she's gone down like 20 stairs. Exactly. And it's when you least expect it. Yeah. Isn't that it's probably when you're not looking, it's when you're sort of mm. relaxing. What's your secret with connecting with Caroline? I think it's just being very present with her. Uh, and I think it's it's five years of being with her every day. So we kind of. We watch her um, and because she doesn't have language yet and she doesn't really have receptive language, so she doesn't know what we're saying. She knows a few words, food, car, walk, school. Um, so it's a level beyond words, our connection with her. It's, it's based on trust. I think that she knows wherever she goes with us, she's safe and intuition and feelings and one of her classmates at a little party she was invited to recently said to me, he came up to me and said, how do you know what she wants? And then I just said, well, because of the noises she makes or if she moves towards something, then I know that's what she wants. So she'll, yeah. That's she'll show really you. Sweet. That's really sweet that he wants to know as well. Yes. They want to know so yeah. they can help or they can be there type things. That's actually really sweet. That's a nice it's a really lovely way. Is she at a mainstream school? Like, is she at a, a or is she at a school with additional needs in a, in a like a unit? She's at the local mainstream school, which oh. is a five minute walk. So he's from there, and it's lovely. Our town is really friendly, and the kids all shout Coraline when she walks past. And, well, she doesn't walk, but I mean, you know, oh. when she's still in the pram going around. But it's lovely, and then I think we go year by year. And we work with her therapists and the teachers who are wonderful there. And we'll all know whether it's right for her to stay or to move. We've looked at the the schools, the special schools in the region, which are fantastic. So for the moment, she's in the local school. 
Oh, that's really lovely. It's really actually it's very important for children for inclusivity. Yes. To understand that everyone learns different. We are all very different. We all learn different. Yes. You know, some children have additional needs and some you can't see. Some might be severely dyslexic and you can't see and they're struggling and no one knows, you know. Absolutely. So it's a really important thing to have that inclusivity in schools, I would always believe. But now yep. can I I'm gonna ask you a little bit of a tricky question, but how mm. has it changed your perspective of individuals with special needs, not just Down syndrome, but things like autism, everything? Mm. Because you know, you don't always know what people have and sometimes it can, you know, I suppose it's yeah, how's it changed your perspective? I think like you just said there, sometimes it's not always visible immediately. Um, if someone has additional needs and so for us it's changed our perspective in that we now have a view of you never know anybody's story and don't assume so you're just in openness yeah to, to everybody you you meet and I think it's changed my perspective because I speak to so many caregivers of children with additional needs I hear so much uh, about their lives and it's just brought me a massive awareness and I think the other thing is it's connected me to people everywhere (laughs) it sounds strange but when when she was a baby people used to come up to me in the street and suddenly you'd go past any small talk and they'd start (laughs) telling you something quite deep about their life so it's almost like and that would happen on the bus or the train. People would turn around and share something with me and almost feel like more connected to the world and like I understand the world on different levels now. That's really lovely. It's really lovely. It's really lovely to hear because I know that it can be quite lonely as well when you're trying to go through the processes. So when you're trying to figure it out for yourself and you're trying to, you know, what's best, where do you go? And do you yes. have access to the right therapies? Do you have access to the right um you know or what is the right therapy because I know with you know there's a say with other needs there'll be a spectrum and they might be mm. on high the low end they might be high mm. function low function and every neurodiversity no one's the same <laughs> we're no, all different you know not. And, and actually so I was lucky when Coraline was born that I took voluntary redundancy from my job I loved my job I was in it for 10 years I worked oh. in cultural relations and so that's given me the time and freedom to manage all the the uh, appointments and finding out what's right for her because it does take a lot of time a lot of forms to fill in and because we've got our own business as well I could be quite flexible with that I can work in our shop or I can work on the business or devote the time that is required to to get things in place for Coraline and then share that with other people to, hopefully to help them so let's talk about the business for the set for a minute so what is the actual business so you you have a skincare organic is it organic or is it a yes. natural skincare mm-hmm. care range and it was developed as so does she have eczema what sort of what's the actual see that's so my thing is the blog and kevin and my husband he's founded and set up our business but now i work jointly with him in it Uh, So he was a chef for 17 years and he's just passionate about ingredients and and what good quality ingredients can do. So when Coraline was really young, we realised she had super sensitive skin. 
you might put sunscreen on her and her face, whole half of the face would go bright red. And and Kevin had been making natural soap with a friend as a hobby. She was teaching him. And and then, and because he loved mixing the ingredients. And then when he tried using that on her and she didn't have any reaction. Oh, wow. He's a real go-getter. He's full of energy. Always wanted to have his own business. And then, and because of it's his passion, ingredients, health, all that kind of thing just went from there and he, he began to build it as a business it was an online business and then when we moved to Devon which was last year our landlord was showing us around the house that we're renting and he said oh and I've got a shop on the high street as well which I, I need to rent out and then <laughs> we got the shop and then that has been wonderful and so it's for people with dry and sensitive skin like Coraline and because all the ingredients are natural no chemicals thoroughly investigated by kevin all made by kevin so we've got facial oils soaps body balms and so people who have not been able to find the right thing for their skin have now become quite devoted customers and we love having a chat to people in the shop and people also come in because they've heard Coraline's story so they want to chat about her so that yeah that's that's the business so it's almost like she's inspired both of us in our lives Liz, where is the shop? Whereabouts is the shop? It's in Devon. It's in yeah, it's in Devon. It's in where we live in Topsham near Exeter. Oh, nice. So it's not actually that's not that far. But you sell online, so if anyone is interested, yeah. so if they're struggling with, I know I've got a girlfriend whose daughter in summer really suffers, but she they restrict her food so much, and whatever they do, she always gets the worst eczema, and it's. It, then her immune system goes down then she gets sick she catches all the bugs and you know it's just it's like a big uh, vicious cycle for them they're really struggling with it all the time oh well we would <laughs> give you uh i'll send you a sample for her because that's the thing we do in the shop is we know that people with eczema it can be really expensive you're trying all these different things to find something that works so we often give people samples in the shop but kevin has this balm called saving grace and that does wonders for people with eczema it just calms it down but i think it's because there, there it's all wild forage natural organic so there's yeah. nothing to irritate the skin and actually it's repairing the skin as well at the same time the ingredients in it so i know the poor thing and then i remember seeing her and she just had chicken pox so then to oh. from the chicken pox then the eczema you know it's just one of those cycles mm. and then it flares up and then she yeah. can't sleep and then Yes. Then the house doesn't sleep, but exactly. you, you, don't, you don't think about it as much. And I didn't realize how much eczema affects a child yes. until I've seen this little girl with such severe eczema that I think, oh, the poor thing, you know, it really does. And then the restriction of food, and she goes yes. to a birthday party, she really can't eat anything because it'll flare up, and then you give in because they're upset, and then you know what's going to happen. So I just think, oh, it's actually there's something that really is. You don't realise how much it affects the child until until you're in the situation with one. I suppose it's like any of these, isn't it? Anything if you don't have a, a child with neurodiversity or any mm. special needs, mm-hmm. you don't realise. And I suppose that's where it's really nice to have a blog like this where you can read yeah. about it and you know your values and create the understanding, raise the awareness. Yes, because we do a lot with so Kevin's side with coroning is his diet um, because he was a chef and so he's. He's fascinated about the power of food. And and I think we just love hearing people's stories as, as well, like about eczema in, in older adults. We hear how it affects confidence as well and things like that. So, And and I guess it is about what we say in Coronary Skin Care, it's being happy in your own skin. 
and that's <laughs> part of yeah part of what Coraline's told us just be yourself be be happy in, in your skin oh that's really lovely now what's mm. your most memorable development milestone I think the fun. recent one where she began walking because yeah. you can see the joy in her face and mm. and we have a fabulous fabulous private occupational therapist who was she specializes in um neurology so she knows all the um the nerve systems and but she explained to us that the trajectory of development is you you crawl then you walk then you talk but she said once you're up on your feet that will kick in all sorts of cognition and we had no we didn't we didn't know that was the process and we suddenly thought oh okay that makes sense yeah Karen is not talking yet she's just begun walking and but we just saw this huge outpouring of other developments once she began walking so that was the big one and I think also because it happened at age four and a half (laughs) then you're like wow it's a it's it's a kind of a long time waiting but there's been a lot happening at the same time yes she's been learning a lot within herself and she's Oh, that's so lovely to hear. Now, listen, if other caregivers want to find out more about your journey or advice, just or if they want to get in touch, what's the best way to connect? Uh, on my blog. So it's it's just corallineandus.com. Um, so we're, that's on Instagram, Facebook, see, or um, Coraline Skincare is our other one. So on either of those, yeah, we reply quickly. And what's your advice if if a caregiver is going down this journey? What would be your main advice to them? I think that is a really interesting question and one that I would answer. I'm answering differently now, now that Coraline's five, than I would have a while back because a fair few parents have contacted us because friends have said, oh, talk to Liz and Kevin or your people have read my blog and got in touch with me. And I think what Kevin and I have learned now is to listen so to meet a parent where they're at and that there's a great power in them telling their whole story and to come to their own realizations but to my advice is to be exactly where they're at so wherever caregiver at is fine to allow themselves to feel however they feel because when when you feel it you process it it's sort of it can get stuck if you don't allow the feelings um, and then I'd probably talk a bit about expectations and explain our realisation that when you have one expectation and then life is different to that, the issues arise when you don't let go of the old expectation. And I would say a couple of, of things like that my old life coach once said to me that life's biggest gifts are often its most unexpected happenings. So it's just to allow yourself space and time and I suppose to share our story just to to show how how we are in life but um mostly to listen that would be it now and not to go over the top I think we went in over the top positive before and we realized actually that wasn't right we needed to meet people exactly where they were you need because you need to be realistic about situations and that's those feelings and emotions and everything that yeah that that comes with any diversities any because yeah. when we were so positive parents fed back to us and said well that actually made me feel like or made them feel they weren't 
measuring up or something. You know, they felt that was too much. So it's allowing people get to where they, they will get in their own time. Which is a really lovely, it's a nice way, it's a really lovely way to put it. Mm-hmm. Children learn in different ways and they it's milestones are not age-related, it's development-related and that's what we need to remember. Mm. Uh, you know, people put out this, they need to read by this or do this by this, but actually it is development of a child. Same yeah. with same with educational toys. It's not on age. It's on apart from choking and things like that. Yeah, <laughs> it's on um development of a child. You know, can they see it? Can they think? But Liz, thank you so much for chatting with us today. And um, good luck with the skin range. I think that's such an important thing. And actually, it's something that you know, as a chef and understanding ingredients in natural ways and things that they're allergic to, it's such an amazing thing to be mm. able to put together. And actually, it's a diversity, isn't it? From what he was doing. Yes. Um, can I ask, does he do all the cooking? <laughs> <laughs> Always. Oh, good. I think that's a good, I think I'd love to marry a chef. I think that'd be one of my favourite things. Uh, <laughs> I'll send my husband down for a little bit. <laughs> he goes. But thank you for chatting with us today and we look forward to sharing your story. Thank you. Thank Lee. you. Thanks very much for having me, Heather. There are so many exciting developments happening right now in education. EDX Education would love to hear from you, so do get in touch or subscribe to our podcast, which is available on Apple, Podbean, Spotify, TuneIn, and so many more. This podcast series is brought to you by Heather Welch from EDX Education, as she'd like to say, let's create lifelong learners. 